0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 154. I am your host, Noah and Today I'm going to talk about taking the long view. Keep in mind, you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn from Buddhism to just be a better whatever you already are. If you're interested in learning more about Buddhism, you can check out my book, No-Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, it's available on Amazon, or you can also start out with the first five episodes of this podcast. You can find those easily by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the Start Here link. If you're looking for a community to practice with and to interact with, consider becoming a patron by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the link to join our community. So as we jump into the topic for this podcast episode, in the last podcast episode, I talked about the beauty of not knowing, and I talked about how the extinguishing of the question can bring about a stronger sense of peace and contentment than any answer could ever provide. Today, I want to follow up on those thoughts a little bit by discussing two additional concepts that I think play well into this overall uh, strategy or practice of, um, of learning to take the long view. So the concept of taking the long view is a concept that is very common in Buddhism. And I encountered this when I was studying with um, Reverend Koyo Kubose in the lay ministry program that I did. He introduced me to a word, Japanese word called takan. And... Takan is a word that uh, means seeing things through philosophical eyes or with a bigger perspective. Uh, This is something that I experience and all of you would experience anytime you're up really high, whether you go on a hike to the top of a very tall hill or a mountain or anytime you fly in an airplane and you look out the window and you look down. Uh, This is something I experience every time I go paragliding um, I can look down and I can see things from a higher perspective. I remember on one occasion when I was young and we were moving, our, our neighbors were moving, and my mom and her friend, the, the neighbor who was moving, were talking. And my mom said, we're all like little ants going about our daily lives. And I remember that stuck with me when when we're at ground level It's easy to get caught up in the thick of thin things, and our view becomes more narrow and and nearsighted because we can't really see the bigger picture. And I think for most of us, that's the perspective we have as we go through life. It's a very narrow view. And in this narrow view, we get caught up in the world of I and me, my feelings, my opinions, my emotions. And takan means to take the long view of things. That is, to view the world with philosophic eyes or zoomed out. A wide view means that other people count just as much as we do. Their needs are just as important as ours. And I think that dualistic thinking, such as I am right or you are wrong, that only polarizes the problem and it it intensifies conflict. In fact, another neat acronym I learned from Koyo was uh, WAR, W-A-R, and that it's an acronym for we are right. And I think any time we get caught up in this uh, thinking of we are right, war is what ensues the moment that we're confronted with another perspective that also happens to have the same we are right attitude. Um, so this notion of, of, of zooming out, um, any time, uh, again, if you were ever traveling in an airplane and you're looking out the window when you look down and you see the little cars on the road or you see all the houses that you're flying over or, or even higher and you see cities and towns it's very easy to to not get caught up in whatever the thing is that's taking place down there right now you know I like to imagine when I'm flying over and I see a car driving that whoever's in that car may be um, experiencing road rage, or they may be experiencing the joy of listening to a song while they drive. Um, any scenario, any set of circumstances that they may be experiencing, I don't get caught up in it with that, that person because I'm so much higher at that point. The perspective is is different when I can see that car and I see the one in front of it, and miles away I see more and more and more. So this, this ability to zoom out helps us to not get entangled in, in the moment and whatever it is that we're caught up in. And I think it's an important part of the practice because yes, for the most part, we are going throughout our lives in that very narrow zoomed in view where I'm the one that's experiencing whatever I'm experiencing while I'm driving because a car just cut me off or enjoying the music of whatever I'm listening to while I drive. Or again, whatever the circumstances may be, I'm caught up in it because that's where I am. I'm in it. And I forget that there is a bigger picture. Now, this notion of the bigger picture arises again in that story that I've shared multiple times in the podcast of the par- with the parable of the horse and uh, who knows what is good and what is bad. And as you'll recall, the way the story unfolds, there's one event that seems good and then something else happens and now it seems bad and something else happens and now it seems good. And this goes on and on. And the neighbor who keeps running over saying, oh, no, this is so fortunate for you or, oh, no, this is so unfortunate for you. um, That neighbor is caught up in a much more narrow view, which is to say, looking at this as it unfolds, this is all I see. What's happening right now is all I perceive. While the old farmer has um, a, a more zoomed out perspective who says, well, who knows what is good and what is bad? Because that perspective says, well, it's not just this. We don't know what this will cause. And in Buddhism, there's this notion that this is because that is. Well, I may know what this is, but I certainly don't know what that is. When I recognize the interdependent nature of things, I recognize that there's a very big complex picture of interdependent uh, things taking place. And however I perceive this moment, the one that's happening here and now to me, I can't understand um, too far out the repercussions of what this means down the road. Uh, so so it allows me to have an open mind with curiosity to see how is this going to unfold? What happens next? And this could be, I mean, you can apply this to anything. Uh, I, I imagine somebody um, who is survive, trying to survive in the in the ocean, a shipwreck. You know, as intense and as difficult as that situation is, they may survive it and uh, later be able to write a book about it. Now, I'm not saying that uh, things aren't good or aren't bad. You know, you could also be shipwrecked and die. All I'm trying to say is that we are completely unable to see the full big picture. So the practice is to at least zoom out a little and not get so caught up in the moment as it is, because I don't know what happens next. And I think that is the powerful part of the story of the parable of the horse, is that we don't know what's coming next. Now, I think it's also easy to get caught up in the mindset of, well, it doesn't matter what happens next, as long as it ends on a good note. Uh, This is a view that I think we've adopted in our society, which is, um, as long as the story ends on a good note, then it's a good story. And we need to be careful of that because the the nature of reality isn't that things end up well. The nature of reality is that things come together and things fall apart, as Pema Chodron often says. So when we understand that, we realize it's not about ending on a on a positive note where things end well. It's just about recognizing that the the song goes on and. Things come together and then things fall apart and then things come together and then things fall apart. And that's the nature of reality. Things come together and things fall apart. And taking the long view is recognizing that whatever moment I'm caught in, whether it's a moment of things coming together or usually when we really think about these things, we're thinking about them when things are falling apart, it's important to recognize this isn't the end. I don't know what comes next. I don't know what comes out of all of this. This is, uh, and this will influence whatever that is. And I don't know what that is going to be. That's the the, the future uh, moment that will arise because of the present moment. So I think it's, it can be a very beneficial practice to take the long view and to try to see things uh, f- with a, a more zoomed out perspective. So the other notion I wanted to tie into this overall discussion or this overall thought process is the notion of 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 not too tight and also not too loose i've talked about this in the podcast before and there's a well-known story of a, a lute player or a sitar player it's kind of like a like a guitar who was discouraged with his meditation practice and he went to the buddha to ask for instruction and the buddha asked what happens when you tune your instrument too tightly and the musician said, the strings break. And then he asked again, well, well then what happens if you, if, if you leave the strings too loose? Well, when it's too loose, no sound comes out. And uh, the string produces a, a, a tuneful sound if it's not too t- when it's not too tight and it's not too loose. And the Buddha said, ah, that is how you practice, not too tight and not too loose. So this is a notion uh that comes about over and over in buddhist thought not too tight not too loose or sometimes expressed as finding the middle way not not too far to this direction and also not too far to that other direction i like the visual analogy of an instrument and the the strings being either too tight or too loose my son plays the cello and i've noticed um sometimes no matter how you tighten the the strings, even if they're just right. If you don't know how to play the cello, the sound isn't too pleasant on the ears. But with time and with practice, it becomes a, a pleasant thing. My son's been playing for years now, and he can play some songs that are very enjoyable to listen to, as long as the instrument is tuned properly. And that's where this comes into play. If they're tune, if the tuning isn't right, it just sounds off. And then it's also important to recognize that the tuning, the process of tuning never ends. It's not like you, you you tune the instrument, you get it tuned and say, okay, well, that's it. We're done. I never have to worry about that again. That works for now. You play the song, but next time you take the instrument out of the case or you've transported it in the car or we've gone to uh, lessons, which are about an hour away, the instrument needs to be tuned again. And with practice, like with meditation practice, it's the same. Um, you're always making the assessment of, is this too tight or is this too loose? Am I trying too hard? Am I not trying enough? Should I be meditating or should I not be meditating? Because somewhere in the middle is the is the correct tuning. Uh, so I, I like that visual analogy of an instrument because I think everybody has experience with listening to or, or perhaps even uh, trying an instrument, even if it's just strumming a guitar or or something like that. So some additional thoughts that work well for me when I use this analogy in my mind and I visualize an instrument is that the music of each instrument is unique. So if I have a, a guitar and my neighbor has a cello and uh, the other neighbor has a violin, the tuning of each instrument is going to be slightly different. So it would be unskillful for me to expect that my tuning is the same appropriate tuning for uh, the neighbor that's on a completely different instrument. It would also be unskillful for me to think that the tuning appropriate for me, getting ready to play classic music, classical music, is appropriate for someone who's getting ready to tune their instrument to play um, country country music or um, you know, a different style of music that requires a different type of tuning or plays in a different key or anything along those lines. So I like to think about that, that uh, the tuning that may sound appropriate and correct for me may be influenced by my conditioning, the societal norms, the personal beliefs and views that I might have. All of that goes into play with me making the decision of what tuning is appropriate for me the instrument of my mind, whether that be applied to how I do parenting, uh, how I go about working, or um, of course meditation, right? How I practice um, being a more mindful person. So don't make the mistake of of comparing your process and the instruments uh, that you are trying to tune to someone else's. This is this is a very uh, introspective and personal process where you need to be the one ask, uh, answering the question yourself, is this too tight or is this too loose? Uh, So my invitation as you think about these concepts throughout the next couple of weeks, uh, take a longer view and try to adjust the tightness of your strings to ensure that they're not too tight and also not too loose. And hopefully by taking a longer view, zooming out, having a, a bigger perspective, you'll be able to enjoy that peace and contentment that arises by not being so caught up in the narrow view, the the thick of thin things. Hopefully that makes sense. These are, again, concepts that I I like sharing. I like exploring these concepts and seeing how they affect me in my own day-to-day living. And I hope that these concepts help and affect you in your day-to-day living too as you uh, navigate the circumstances and and things that you're navigating in your own day-to-day life. So that's all I have for this podcast episode. Um, I look forward to recording another one sometime soon. And I hope you all have a great week. And until next time.